The summer is closing and courses are getting ready for the new academic year. I'm Jackie Bourgeois, Assistant Professor at the TU Delft. Today, I'll share 10 teaching blogs I've experienced while piloting a course earlier this year. This year, we are exciting to roll out a new bachelor curriculum at the Faculty of Industrial Design Engineering. I had the chance to pilot a course last spring on software-based products, codename IO1075. It will be part of the new curriculum as digital product development. I already shared information and course material a few months ago, which I'll link in the notes. But in brief, 350 students, first-year bachelor from the design faculty. The course aim at introducing what's behind the scene, the digital part of product. It covers deep dive modules on internet architectures, networking, data, and software design. The second half of the course explores development methods, business model, and digital responsibilities. I try to put myself in our student shoes as much as possible in my teaching activities. Suppose we limit our work to delivering knowledge. In that case, our students can learn and grow from an abundance of high-quality MOOCs and books already available out there. As a university teacher, I see myself as a structurer and an entertainer more than a lecturer or expert. No dogma of autonomous learning, blended learning or other concept. In the end, it all comes down to practical activities that help students understand and be confident in leveraging knowledge and skills in the career head. I see teaching activities as blocks that we play with to fit the learning objectives. So this is what I want to share today a series of 10 blocks. So let's get started. The first building block is about structure. Learning environments like Brightspace can be bulky with information scattered in different places. In addition, activities are often not document but events details, actions to do on a tour or reaction to share on the course forum. Giving flexibility and autonomy to the students requires more structure. The last thing I want is for students to lose time searching for content and instructions. It is unproductive for them, but also generating significant noise for the teaching team. In the course, all activities but the final exam are voluntary. I was looking for a way to link all these activities on a weekly timeline for this like Brightspace as the concept of checklist. A checklist contains elements with a title, a due date, and a description. We set up a page called Roadmap, including a checklist for each week. For example, on week two, the checklist has 11 tasks. The first three are videos which directly appear in the task. Then there is a plenary session to kick off the week. This task contains the link to the online live event and the schedule. Then students can read a book chapter following a link 
to the digital library documents, and so on. The Brightspace calendar indicates all due dates. For an event such as a plenary session, we mark the start time as the due date. For all other activities, the due date is a suggested deadline so that students can make the best out of it. For instance, they would not receive our feedback if they share their work too late. The roadmap was one of the highlights of the course. Students appreciated its flexibility while providing guidance. In addition, it links all content, guiding students through it without extra effort to find the necessary information. Above all, it is relatively easy to set up. The second building block is about self-study material. We deliver all content through video demos of prototypes and videos to navigate the most critical knowledge along with book chapters. This choice provides flexibility to students. They are free to walk through this material at the time that fits them best and as many times as they want, even at a faster pace if they wish to. This requires more work for the teaching team upfront. From my perspective, I see this material as the MOOC element of the course, but it releases a considerable amount of time during the quarter to focus on the interaction with students. This is where we add most of our value. The structure with demos, videos and book chapters repeats knowledge in different forms. This is an inclusive approach to facilitate learning for a wide range of student needs. Following tips from Peter Jan Stavers, we've built 10 to 15 minutes high-paced videos packed with a lot of enthusiasm. Students need to receive energy and encouragement. They appreciate it and feed this energy back to us. Third, let's talk about the weekly energizer. When I designed this course within the context of the COVID pandemic, I felt the need to introduce a weekly touch point. I gave importance to making the students at ease in a climate that gives them intrinsic motivation to engage, to be part of the court and their group. I set a 30-minute plenary meeting at the beginning of each week, the so-called energizer. I used this time slot for housekeeping information, introducing the aim of the weekly module and the connection to design. But the true purpose was to cheer up everyone on Monday morning. I asked students to join their groups, greet everyone and reflect on the previous module halfway through the session. Then depending on the topic, they could express this reflection on the course forum in GIFs, group pictures, or even tweet-like text blobs. I also used this moment to share real-life examples, going slightly off-road with a YouTube video, for instance, related to the week module. But again, the purpose was for inspiration and triggering discussion rather than specific knowledge. Building block number four is about helping students in their recall process. 
I phrase it as the crowd quiz, an activity that invites students to formulate two quiz questions after going through the weekly self-study material. Here, the idea is to offer students the opportunity to think about the two most essential learnings they extract from the material. We use the submitted question to automatically and randomly compose a quiz for each student. This mechanism aims at combining the process of selecting the most critical learnings with the recall of new knowledge. As teachers, it provides a valuable indicator of what students pick as critical learnings. This approach was not without challenge. First, it lacked curation, although students could rate each question as helpful or not helpful. This did not prevent students to regularly face poorly formulated or even irrelevant questions from their peers. Second, it is a challenging activity for students, which makes it hard to sustain engagement over the whole duration of the course. Nevertheless, this activity is an exciting mechanism to explore. Students even suggested extending this mechanism to the practice of computational concepts as part of the programming assignment. As an improvement, our teaching team will be more involved in the creation of questions. We will also use this material more effectively to prompt questions and drive the feedback sessions. If you're curious about how we implemented this mechanism, I'll share the link to the code in the notes. The fifth block to share relates to group exercises. The COVID pandemic led us to develop a series of online whiteboard exercises with Miro. Through these exercises, we led students to apply knowledge. Moreover, in groups, students could combine their understanding and develop their practice without teacher help. Beyond the pandemic, our exercises will undoubtedly involve more tangible in-person activities. However, online whiteboards effectively guide students in the process, the instructions and the delivery. As a result, the teaching team could focus on in-depth interaction, which I'll touch upon in the next building block. Worth mentioning is the tension within groups and between groups. First, within groups, some students might engage less than others. With a focus on autonomy, I am not too concerned about students who choose not to participate. However, it might hamper the learning experience of the remaining students of the group struggling with tasks that are, in the end, too large for a group with fewer members. Second, online whiteboards offer practical ways to let several groups working on the same board while guiding them for peer feedback. For instance, our instruction includes explicit steps to visit their neighboring group's work and provide specific feedback. However, we learned that this mechanism should remain loose, not enforcing groups to a particular board. Otherwise, some groups are not showing up or showing up late, which impair the progress of other groups. 
The 8 MyRobot templates are open source. I'll put the link in the notes. I mentioned in-depth interactions as a result of freeing time with guidance on whiteboards. With 350 students, providing in-depth feedback can be labor-intensive, but also redundant. Perhaps a design course might need group coaching sessions to focus on the specific of each group. But in general, I believe the feedback we provide applies to most groups. With this in mind, we started the course by looking at boards as students were working on their group exercises. Then we would record short videos, thinking aloud and balancing reactions with other teachers. This process helped us to prepare our weekly plenary feedback sessions, which I'll detail in a moment. However, it did not support too much our students. This feedback was unstructured and redundant with the live feedback session. It only came to life when we started identifying groups with good progress and relevant questions. Then we would drop in their video channels and engage these students in constructive discussions that benefit the whole cohort. I am looking forward actually to the next iteration, hopefully on campus. We plan to transfer this approach to the campus, dropping by groups with a cameraman to capture in-depth discussions with students that we can share with the whole cohort. I mentioned the use of a forum a couple of times already. We used Discourse, an online platform to bring all discussions in a single place throughout the course. Discourse is the interaction backbone and will remain so beyond COVID restrictions. I encourage students to ask all questions there unless it is of personal matter. This massively reduces individual emails by addressing questions for everyone. Beyond questions, students can share reaction to what they read, watch and experience and even bring in external materials to discuss. It provides features that many students use on social networks, such as liking a post, tagging teachers and other students, and reacting with a wide range of responses. It is also excellent support for polling and lives discussions while creating an archive of interactions. Students can search for knowledge because it is not siloed into a video conference tool, for instance. We encourage students to post all their work on this course, always suggesting tags as part of the activity instructions to facilitate later searching and filtering. The main challenge we faced with this course is reducing the distance between teachers and students. I want students to see the teaching team as members of the forum, offering questions and triggering thoughts rather than bringing authority. However, students had difficulty commenting on others' work, claiming that they do not feel confident enough. So in the next iteration, I will look for strategies to reinforce the feeling of safety. Students need to understand that the more 
they question and react, the more they receive feedback from their peers and the teaching team through discussions. This course leads to the eighth building block, the ability for students to continuously provide feedback. I have confidence in knowledge students should acquire. However, there are many ways to deliver that knowledge. Effective feedback mechanisms are vital to reflect on how students receive our teaching. This course is instrumental for that. On a weekly or even activity basis, we can open topics to invite students to share their reactions and suggestions for improvement. But collecting feedback is not enough. As teachers, the forum gives us the ability to quickly respond. We explain why an activity is as it is. We can quickly take into account comments for the upcoming models whenever possible. We can also acknowledge the feedback and share our plan for the next iteration of the course. This asynchronous collection of feedback can also be addressed in the live session. We also closed the course with a feedback workshop. We invited volunteer students to join us for a two-hour session. They raised challenges and we worked together on ways to improve them. We realized that such a session would also be valuable halfway through the course. Beyond collecting feedback, these mechanisms show students that we listen, encouraging them to engage in the course. On a different note, part of the course involves an introduction to computational thinking through the basics of Python. We chose to develop a set of open source cloud-based contextual Python exercises, open source, so that students can access this material on their time beyond the course period. Cloud-based so that everything takes place in their web browser without installing anything on the machine. And contextual, always having the development of a product prototype in mind. However, the ninth building block is about the series of easygoing videos that we've recorded to match these assignments. Although these Python exercises are challenging, we attempted to convey their intuition through small two-character plays. Once again, it is about entertainment and it was positively received by students. Finally, we closed each week with a live plenary session focusing on feedback, our 10th block. From students' questions, reactions, group exercises and quizzes, we compile a list of tips and tops and walk through concrete student work to illustrate our point. We also expand on topics we feel not yet adequately addressed and interact with students via polls and live questions. This was a challenging part of the course to do online. I look forward to an on-campus version where we can engage in a lecture room with a panel discussion and in-person interaction with students. The online broadcast interaction requires significant effort on both ends from teachers, but mainly from the students, which can be very frustrating. This contributed to losing important attendance toward the end of the course 
for this particular activity. Voila! These 10 building blocks can be reused separately and adapted to a different course. Roadmap, self-study material, energizer, crowd quizzes, knowledge exercises on Miro, drop-in videos, interaction via discourse, student feedback collection, entertaining videos and feedback sessions. I hope it provides some inspiration for trying out new, engaging teaching formats. What I learned through this process is that students appreciate when we try to think along with them. They notice our effort and attempt to offer teaching activities that work for them, even though it might not ultimately work out. In the end, it does not matter as long as we are transparent and show them that we value their feedback.